Welcome to the Wild and Curious podcast, a show that's part travel, part feminism, and completely inspired by extraordinary women worldwide. I'm Teresa Christine. And I'm Suzanne Schmetting. A heads up to our listeners that some of the issues in this episode could be triggering. There will be mention of physical violence against women, nothing graphic, but we did want to let you know in advance. Also, we recorded this episode before coronavirus was declared a pandemic and became a really serious thing. So we will be talking about a trip we've planned. However, we are in no way encouraging people to travel right now. We have no intention of traveling ourselves. And this trip is supposed to happen much further in the future. We hope that it does. But if not, thank goodness for free cancellations. Have you been, you haven't been to Mexico City before. I have not been to Mexico City. Um, I have been to Tulum and one time I went on a cruise and we docked in, uh, uh, in not, not Cabo Cozumel. San no, no, oh. not Cozumel. Um, Ensenada. Yeah. We docked in Ensenada, but I was really sick. So I did not actually get to go, but I was technically there. So you were in all. Mexican waters. I was in Mexican waters. So that's that's a pretty cool travel story. Um, <laughs> yeah, very very authentic. It sounds like. Oh yeah, yeah. We're going to Mexico City. I've heard it's an amazing destination. Like I think the thing I'm most excited about, aside from just really getting a cultural experience, because right. I've heard that Mexico City is like you can really get the culture there, and it's a, also a safe place and a good place for women to travel to. But I'm I'm genuinely excited to just see what the city looks like and like see the buildings. I don't know. Architecture really intrigues me. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I think you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really excited to eat. I just want tacos and cheese and guacamole and salsa. Like that's I yes, I I'm I'm very excited to see buildings, but I love food so much. If you're going to be eat, in heaven. T, if I could eat all day long, I would. It's also, you know, it's a, a such an easy way to get a piece of the culture, like to, for lack of a better word, to, to get a taste of the culture. Actually, that kind of leads me into how excited I am to be chatting with who we are today. Um, Ms. Rocio Vasquez. Uh, you Beautiful. Can just, thank you. No big deal. I just roll my R's. Um, you can just call her Ro. Uh, she is the founder of Eat Like a Local Mexico City, and her food tours are some of the top rated in Mexico City. She is a big proponent for responsible tourism, and she only works with women. So basically, Mexico City is like a culinary hub, because in Mexico we have this centralized everything, like the government is here. The big companies are here, so a lot of people have to immigrate from their original cities to Mexico. So they come with their culinary traditions. So basically here you can find everything. Of course, we change it a little bit to adapt it to ourselves. And then people from their original cities, they hate us because they think that we change their stuff. It's like Mexico City style, like everything. So in Mexico City, we have a lot of street food. It's, it's something that you will see everywhere. Like the only place where I have seen 
as many as street food is Vietnam, for example, that you arrive and you see all this food, 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 food. And this has to do because we had very, very long commute, uh, commutes to come to the city. So a lot of people can go back to their homes or like they have to eat in the street. It's, it's complicated to, to eat in, in your house in Mexico City. So you have to eat out and you have to eat something fast. The minimum wage in Mexico City is $100 a month. So you have to eat something cheap also. And it has to be delicious, of course, because like you have to eat it every day. So our main culinary culture is the street, I think. We also have a lot of fondas, we call them. Fondas are tiny places where you can have homemade food that will cost between $2 up to 4 or $5 for everything. So you have a soup, a rice and beans or pasta, and then you will have a, the main dish. Like it can be a stew or grilled meat or grilled chicken. You can also have taquitos or something else. And then they will give you a dessert and fruit water. So that's basically what we eat in our homes. But because people can't go back to their own homes, they will eat in these fondas. And they're usually managed by women that look like your mom or like your grandma. So it's, it's basically what is more extended in Mexico City. You eat in these fondas from Monday to Friday. When you need to experience the real Mexican food, like the homemade, you have to go to a fonda. And that's interesting because like here in the United States, like I eat out because I want to eat something that I didn't have growing up. I want to eat something that is foreign to me and different. And it sounds like eating out in Mexico City, it's so much more about like the cooking familiar. that is part of your culture. Yeah. Yes and no. Like maybe on the weekends, you will be like more adventurous because it will, it will be something like a celebration or something to go out. But on the weekdays, you try to go to fondas or to have something on the street. Sundays are like family days, so you have to eat with your family. But on Saturdays, you can go out to a restaurant or, or something like that. And is it typically like the mother or the grandmother or the sisters who are cooking these meals? Or are you seeing like it's, it's equal, men and women? Depending. Like if it's just like homemade food, it will be women. But if you're making carne asada, carne asada is basically a grill. It will be the men. Those guys are in charge of the carne asada. They're grilled meat. Yeah, it works that way in my family too. My, <laughs> my mom and my sister handle everything in the kitchen and, and my brother-in-law does all of the meat. But I love how you said that like, you know, the the people who are running the fundas are, they look like your mother and grandmother, you know, which I don't know, it, it, it kind of, it sort of brings that sense of community to this, to the street food that is, is a necessity, you know, and how... How does that idea of having women kind of running these fundas and, you know, looking like your mother or grandmother, like how does that kind of change the roles of, of a woman in Mexico? So it's, it's complicated. We're changing right now. Like the country is very big and mm -hmm. like what happened in Mexico City is not always what happens in the rest of the country because this is like the most progressive city, for example, and it's a city that has like gay rights and abortion rights and all like the, these very open ideas. So the role of women are ch is changing in Mexico City. In the rest of the country, there's still a lot of uh, stay-at-home moms or their working moms, but they still cook everything. In Mexico City, we still have the traditional fundas, but a lot of people are changing because we're becoming like more modern. There's still stuff that only women do. For example, quesadillas. It goes back from the Aztec tradition when the women used to be the ones that made the tortillas. 
And quesadillas are always made with handmade tortillas. You won't have a street quesadilla with a traditional, like a pre-made tortilla. They will make the tortilla right there in front of you. So that's a woman thing. But for example, tacos are made by men. Because it's like killing the animal, you know? It's a, it's a male job. The only tacos that a woman will make are the stew tacos. There are different stews that are basically homemade stews. So it's not like killing the animal, like the carnitas or the barbacoa. But other than that, most of the tacos are made by guys. And 99% of the quesadillas are made by women. And if you see a guy making a quesadilla, you won't trust him. <laughs> Like those quesadillas, they look they look a little shysty over yeah, there. They're suspect. <laughs> I've been really lucky. I was in Mexico, and I have seen like an older woman, and she was making the tortillas and doing the quesadillas, and it was the best quesadilla I ever had in my life. But it was really cool to watch her and see her hands at work. You know? Yeah, it's actually something that comes from centuries. Because they have been mm. making quesadillas in 1500 when the Aztecs started, or before the Aztecs. So they, it's a tradition that continues and continues, and it's really, really beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I love the idea of, of history and tradition, you know, getting something passed down generations that's so tactile and nourishing. And I think, I think one of the things that really appeals to me about that is the idea that like it is passed down from generation to generation. Is that part of the reason why you work with women only? Um, a little bit, but no. It's the community part, but it's basically something different. Like in 2017, I had a very abusive boyfriend. And basically, he became too violent until the point that it was like life-threatening. So I had to run away. But my business was just starting. So basically, I stayed there for too long because I didn't have a lot of money to go to another place. I didn't have money to hire lawyers. I have no idea how to talk about this. I was ashamed. I thought that people were going to judge me because like, oh, why you're with a boyfriend like that? Or, you know, when I finally go back on my feet after months of therapy, and of course I went to the police and they were amazing with me. Well, it was also March 8th, so it was weird because all the attention was on them. So basically they were very good with me because it was International Women's Day. Very coincidental, but well, was on that day. And so after I was back on my feet, I realized that the main thing that allows us as a women to run away from any bad situation is financial independence. So I decided that when I when the moment to grow was like ready, I was going to only employ women and give them the best wages in the whole industry. So that's why we're women only. And that's that's something that comes up a lot with our podcast and with the show is how equality is so tied into those things that if you prevent women from getting an education or you prevent women from having these like well like good paying jobs then they're never going to be equal exactly and also as women you 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 need to be financially independent to be like safe and to be to be powerful and to be able to live because a lot of people a lot of women they they're married for a long time and their husband is an asshole so i can say that word oh, sure <laughs> okay sorry so well their husbands are bad guys and they can't live because they don't work and they don't have money and they're terrified and I, I don't want women to be like that so basically that's why I hire women and I, I not only give them like the best wages but also give them like gym membership so they can take care of their body not because they need to be thin or anything just because they need to feel good with themselves and I give them continuous education and I give them an, an atmosphere where they can express themselves and, and they can like uplift their, their self-esteem so 
I think that it has like to be the whole package. And when you're like that, even like if your boyfriend is bad, you will feel like more safe and you will be you will be able to leave that bad situation. So we tell we tell also women in the markets that their body belongs to them, that they, they shouldn't allow their husbands or boyfriends to slut shame them or to take their money. For example, we're encouraging a lot of our women to have like private or secret uh, saving accounts or stuff like that. And this is a new concept for them in the market. But we're we're starting from that to show to teach them how to make budgets because they haven't they don't they have no idea what a budget is. They have no idea that they can have a saving account. They have no idea of, of all these little concepts that we all know, but they they have no access to that. Or simple stuff like we're teaching the girls at the market that they should not smile unless they want to because their smile is their smile is their smile and nobody can tell them what to do with their body. These are revolutionary concepts in the market. And I know that we know them because we're part of this feminist world, but in the market, they don't know these things. So we're trying to also educate people in the market with these concepts. And just just to touch back on on a little something, you you mentioned that, you know, a lot of a lot of the men are are bad a-holes. Um, and I was <laughs> I was wondering, you have you have that a lot on your website that that you refuse to work with with people who are not kind of on the up and up too. And I wanted to I wanted to kind of talk more about how how that policy of not working with bad people uh, has really contributed to your company becoming one of the most responsible tourist companies in Mexico City. I think that is basically a way of making a stand. Like I started seeing that a lot of people were being abusive. They they were not paying their little suppliers. They were like a wine vendor that a big restaurant owed her a lot of money and she was struggling. And then an ice cream maker that very famous uh, restaurants owed them a lot of money. And then I started seeing that and I was like, this this can't this can't be like that. There's something that we should do. And I talked to the restaurateurs and I told them, guys, if you don't pay, I will stop working with you. And I was starting, so they were like, ha ah, ha, whatever. They also told me like that I shouldn't, I shouldn't take sides. And I was very angry because I was like, why? Like, if you don't take sides, you're on the side of the oppressor, basically. And I don't want to be on the side of the oppressor. So then I decided that I needed to be more like bolder in, in what I was saying. I, I shouldn't be like afraid of saying what I think. And I started saying that on my website. And I started saying that to my people, to my guides. And we started like taking a stand and being like really, really responsible. But it all came from these guys telling me that I shouldn't take sides. And I was like, no, like I should take sides and I should, I should be bold and I should t- say what I think. And that was like the first path to become responsible because I was like, if these guys are thinking that I will stay like quiet and I will keep working with them, that's not going to happen. Like I won't, I won't do that. I will go to the other side. I will be completely responsible. I will be completely out loud saying what is wrong. Because basically people started like resonating with my message and I started getting like better and better guests and now we have amazing guests coming here that all agree with what we're thinking and I think that that's amazing because we get to spread our word and more people are understanding that we shouldn't give our money to bad guys. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean that's the thing that you're saying about attracting not to sound too woo-woo, but like the energy you put out is the energy you get back kind of thing where like, yeah, I mean, you're very talented and knowledgeable about the culinary scene in Mexico City. And if you had just 
been complicit and been quiet and, you know, just did what they told you to do, you'd probably still have some level of success. But because you took a stand with the per- with your own personality and for your own business, people see that and that excites them and it resonates with them. In general, responsible tourism is like such a hot topic for travelers going to a place. What should they be looking for so that they find something that is responsible and that has the kind of ethics that you have? So, for example, the first thing that they should look for is a uh, company that is local. Because the main thing with tourism is when you go to a country, you produce certain damage. Like, not because you want to damage stuff, but it's like, it's what it is. So you're consuming the resources and you're like taking places where the locals go and they can't go anymore. So the first thing to do is to actually leave money in that country. So first, try to look for really local people. Like if you see an international agents, probably they will keep all the money and they will just pay some salaries. But it's better that the money stays in the country. So look for somebody that is uh, local. The prices are a good indicator because if they are too cheap, they won't be able to pay good salaries or pay good wages to everybody or to actually pay for prices to the vendors. So that's a good indicator. Is there like very, very cheap is is not good. They will be asking for kickbacks from the vendors, so they will be asking for free stuff. So that's another indicator. And like try to actually research them because there's a lot of companies in Mexico City that they say like, we're women only, and then just search at their staff and they have all guys. And you're like, uh... <laughs> that's a bunch of lies right there. <laughs> How are you women only if I can see your guys and you have like three guys there? So, and I actually tried to find uh, companies that actually committed with the community because a lot of the companies are like oh we donate money and it's like oh nice for you amigo why you don't get get involved and actually do something and not only donate that's too easy you know like try to actually be there and get involved and see what they need for you and see what you can do to actually be make the community better so try to search for companies that are actually not only donating but actually doing something that's another Stuff like I actually try to avoid a lot of the resellers because they take 30% of everything you pay from them. So, for example, if you book a tour and at Expedia or stuff like that, that will take 30% of the vendor you're booking. You can't be competitive and you can't be responsible if you're paying these huge commissions. So, that's why I only work like I did it only on my website. I I don't work with anybody, not resellers, nothing. Because and that 30%, instead of paying them to them, I'm investing it in my city, in all the programs, in my women's salaries and all the stuff. So try to book directly. Uh, Instagram or social media is really good because you can actually see what's happening. Like they can lie on their, on their websites, but if you see their stories and they're actually doing stuff, it's, it's a good thing to see. And look for the reviews also. A lot of people search, like go to the places and they see what you're doing with the community. So... So it can be a good a good sign that the company is actually responsible. I think Rocio is so cool. I cannot wait to meet her. I love yeah. everything she is doing, she is saying. <sighs> that is one of the really special things about getting to chat with women around the world is when we go to these places, then we get to meet them in person and like we'll get to see all of these cool things she's talking about in action. One of the things she mentioned that really stood out to me was how 
she's teaching these women to be like really empowered by their own bodies, even in something as small as telling them you don't have to smile when you're in the marketplace. You know, I come, I come from a very long history of, of, of working in the service industry and having to be like, very like, yes, absolutely. Anything you want. Whatever you want. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea that that she is just actively teaching these women that you can have this kind of value even when you're out working that doesn't rely on on something as small as like your smile. And when that is the case, then it makes the times that you're smiling so much more meaningful to you as a person because you're not just smiling because you feel like you should or right. smiling because you feel like it will bring someone over to your table or whatever. You're smiling because you feel genuinely happy. And it's very, it's so empowering to women too to just think about even the actions that you do and the time that you spend on certain things. That is yours to give out. You you are not obligated to give that to anybody if you don't want to. My gosh, I cannot wait to meet her and for her to tell me in person that I don't have to smile. Yeah. So, and she can she can give you a taco while you're frowning. I mean, that will probably make me smile because I love tacos. <laughs> so, so you will hand out your smiles for tacos. I will. I will. Oh, a taco is a smile you can eat. You oh, can... that's beautiful. Thank you. I'm going to put that on a greeting card. <laughs> it's um. a bumper sticker for sure. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about Rose's work, head to eatlikealocal.com.mx or you can follow her on Instagram at, at eatlikealocalmx. You've been listening to the Wild and Curious podcast, hosted by me, Teresa Christine. And me, Suzanne Schmetting. If you've enjoyed this episode, there's more where this came from. Subscribe to the Wild and Curious podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also follow along with our adventures on Instagram. Our handle is at underscore the Wild and Curious underscore and we will also put that in the show notes for you. We are always looking for extraordinary women to talk to you on our show. If you have someone in mind or you are that someone, go to thewildandcurious.com to let us know.